Hey, welcome back to the edition of the Five Tool Podcast. I'm Justin McComas, joined once again, as always, uh, by Drew Bishop. We're up to episode 80. Uh, Drew, the guests are, uh, it's it's guest season for us on the Five Tool Podcast. Uh, we mentioned on the previous episode that this is a bit of a, a transition period for us, for baseball. You know, the fall, there's a lot of things going on. Uh, it's a time that we really like to reach out and um, get some guests on because I'm sure listeners probably enjoy them a little bit more, just a little bit more um, than us. Uh, but we'll get some college coaches on, and, and we're going to start today with Baylor hitting coach and recruiting coordinator Zach Dillon, a guy that we know well. But uh, a good way to kick off the uh, the guest season for us because Zach has a very, very uh, unique uh, background, especially as it pertains to five tool, being a guy that was director of operations at 12 baseball for as long as he was played at Baylor, coached at Baylor, coached in McClendon, coached um, in Iowa, coached in Mississippi state. I mean, he's just a baseball guy through and through. So uh, excited to talk to Zach today. Yeah. You know, with his D one experience and then his experience running the 12, you know, the guy just has a wealth of knowledge that very few in the college game have um, just because he's worked on both sides of it, you know, and before, before he did some of this stuff with the 12 uh, back in his time in Iowa, he's with the Iowa sticks, which is yeah. one of the better programs in the Midwest that he helped um, out quite a bit several years ago, but he's no, he's no stranger to the D one game. Um, he's been in it. He's seen what the recruiting la- landscape looks like. He understands it. And he's just a guy that really knows how to teach hitting. Um, and, you know, I, I'm excited to hear what he has to say about his, time at Baylor before being back at Baylor and then mm-hmm. talking some about the new staff because they are they've been doing really well on the recruiting trail we see them everywhere yeah. um, and that includes coach Thompson the head coach James Leverton who I have a personal history with um, we'll get into some of that later but but yeah Zach is a is a great great representative of our recruiting series and a good way to kick it off for the year with um, you know, the last weekend being the first weekend that 2024s could be on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with the recruiting window for this fall opening up here at the end of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, we, we see those guys on the road. I mean, the moment Zach was hired, it was like the once the evaluation period started, he was out there in his Baylor gear, traded the 12 gear for the Baylor gear and was out um, at the ballpark once again. But and it, it's paid off for those guys too. you know, some of their commitments. Um, yep. especially in the 23 side, um, a guy that we like, the water moccasin, um, yep. Sepulveda, uh, adding him to the mix, Herndon adding him to the mix. Mason Green was a guy that left in the pitcher from the from Sidewoods in the Houston area that was really taking off this summer. I sounds like Baylor got some eyes on him early on, made him move there, locked him up, Chance Womack. So, um, the, the hard work is already paying off for those guys. Um, and I, I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, knowing how much they get on the road and, and things like that. But uh, really exciting times at Baylor, just in general, you know, with the football program, the basketball program, obviously with its recent seasons under Scott Drew. Uh, and I, I think that there's there's some excitement for fairly. So there's some excitement for this baseball program too, because of, you know, Mitch Thompson and, and what he did at McClendon and his past history at Baylor, bringing back guys like Zach uh, to join the mix as well. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into our conversation with Baylor hitting coach and recruiting coordinator, Zach Dillon. Happy to be joined by Baylor hitting coach and recruiting coordinator, Zach Dillon. Uh, Zach, first off, have you slept? Now, you you, you joined the Baylor staff right in the thick of things. And as you know better than we do, 
Um, I always tell parents and players like, hey, these college coaches are cramming a lot into the summer in terms of recruiting and things like that. So um, have you slept? Have you been able to keep that phone charged? What's it been like diving right into the job um, during a really busy season for you recruiting guys? Well, it, it, it was a fast couple of weeks there in June for sure. Um, you know, coming from the Texas 12 where I had my schedule mapped out for the entire summer, I, you know, I fully intended on traveling all over the place. Um, you know, I just like to say I, I got to change shirts halfway through it and, and kind of stay on, stay on schedule, stay on script, but uh, probably with the, the addition of a few other events and, and really a, a different purpose um, for sure. So exciting times. Um, obviously uh, a place that I hold dear, near and dear to my heart and, and passionate about and feel very, very fortunate to be back here and blessed to do what we're doing. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you played at Baylor, you've coached at Iowa. So in the big 10, you've coached at Mississippi state in the sec, you've been a part of the summer circuit running one of the best programs in the country for years. How do you think all of that helps you in your new recruiting coordinator position at Baylor? I think, I think I've got a pretty well-rounded idea of how, how the whole thing should work and how it can work in, in different ways. Um, so, you know, I, I think where a lot of people may be, you know, following each other and, and trying to trying to copycat what, what everybody else is doing, I feel like we've, we've got more of a targeted approach and how we're trying to do things and how we're trying to go about the rebuild of this thing. And, you know, fortunately, we had some good players on campus and, and we're able to we're able to bring some more in. So I don't think we're starting from ground zero. Um, you know, they were about 500 last year. So I think, you know, I think a lot of it falls on player development as well and being able to coach your team and coach your guys and um, really love on what you've got on campus with, with preparation and plans for, for, you know, becoming more talented in the future, hopefully. Zach, you know, when you were hired, going back to those conversations with Mitch, obviously a guy that you have a, a long relationship with, and and Mitch, of course, had his ties to the Baylor program re returning back to there as well. Um, what were those conversations like? Obviously, you played at Baylor. You were a fantastic player at Baylor um, during, you know, one of the heights of the program. So you had that draw and that connection to the university. But I imagine this is this wasn't the first time that somebody reached out to you about a recruiting coordinator position or, or joining a college staff again and things like that. What was it about that conversation with Mitch that just made this such an easy decision uh, for you um, to leave 12 baseball because you guys had that thing rolling and, and jump back into the college game again? Well, Dustin, you're right. I mean, there, there's been some opportunities along the way. And, and when I jumped into travel baseball, specifically the Texas 12, um, I made that decision and it took me a good six months to, to leave college baseball. I was at McLennan at the time with Mitch. Um, you know, obviously I've had a pretty well-rounded um, career bouncing around for, for the first decade of it and, and was kind of ready to settle into something and, and build something and lead something on my own. And the 12 gave me that opportunity and it was, you know, it was a great five or six years. Um, quite honestly, if it wasn't this place for this guy, I'm still doing it. Um, you know, and that, and that probably goes for any other program in the country. Um, you know, when the job opened up and, and Mitch and I had talked and we knew we knew he was probably going to have an opportunity to interview for the position. Um, you know, I started to try to wrap my head around, you know, what the possibilities might be. And and obviously, you know, it, it wasn't as easy of a decision as I thought it might be. 
Um, you know, you built something, not necessarily from the ground up, but but you built something into a, a pretty special thing with a lot of people you care about. It wasn't wasn't as easy to walk away from as I thought it might be. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, this was an unbelievable opportunity at a place that I love, working for the for the guy that brought me here in the first place. Um, you know, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. Yeah, well, you know, you you as a staff, you guys have a lot of familiarity with the state, the region. Um, obviously, everyone knows Mitch's recruiting prowess, having done it at Baylor, putting together all those great teams in the early 2000s. Um, and then adding a guy that I grew up with and played in high school with and uh, got to spend a lot of time with James Leverson. Uh, he spent a lot of time on my couch uh, back in 2003 and 2004, you know, and, and he's a versatile guy too. Um, you know, he's a guy that he could really hit and actually played first base at tech and then turns into a pitcher in the minor league side. Uh, you know, obviously he was at, at McClendon with Mitch also, but then got to go get his feet wet last year and up in, uh, the state of Arkansas doing it, uh, on his own for the first time as the pitching coach. Talk a little bit about, you know, how his experience, uh, both in the Juco side at, in Texas and, and venturing off for a year has helped him. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt. I, I think James is one of those guys, though, that without experience in coaching, just because of the level of baseball guy he is, didn't need a ton. You know, right. his, his relatability with players, his confidence, um, his fearlessness, you know, he, he's a guy that's a rising star in our game for sure. Um, and I, I just think the world of him and his knowledge and how he builds rapport with his guys. Um, you know, honestly, it, he's a huge addition to our staff. Um, I got to know him in our year at McLennan. He was finishing up his Texas Tech degree through McLennan and came out and volunteered. And it was it was pretty evident early on, like, this is a real dude. Like, he knows what yeah. he's doing. He can build an arm. He can build a mentality. And, and we're, we're excited to have him leading our pitching staff. You know, when I say the words player development, um, I, I know that's something that Mitch has a, a great background in doing. You have a background in doing. Um, what what does that mean to you? And, and, and what does that mean to Baylor? What does that sound like? What does that look like? Because I know that's something that you guys as the staff um, take great pride in and are really ready to, um, you know, do what you're doing now, kind of gearing up for the fall, getting in there, working with guys and really developing that program. But but what does that term mean to y'all? And, and what does it kind of look like and sound like at Baylor? Well, I think I think first and foremost for us, it's, it's creating a culture that, that people can grow. In. You know, I, I think, you know, there's times in college baseball and in different places where, you know, the, the ground level and the entry level it can be a little toxic. You know, you're not real sure if you're on steady footing. You're not real sure if you're going to stick. You're not real sure if you're going to be there. You know, obviously, we inherited a situation where we're going to have some of that this fall. But I do know this, the day-to-day -day operation with our guys is, is that of we're trying to grow you into the best baseball player we can we can be, we can do. Um, and that goes with work. I mean, you got to spend time with them. You got to teach them. You got to coach them. And I think that's what we can really separate ourselves with is I think we're going to take that time and we're going to teach. And we're going to allow ourselves to coach within the parameters the NCAA gives us and, and hopefully have a, a 35 man roster come spring that's prepared to go and play solid baseball. And it starts there, you know, and it starts with, you know, having a pitching staff and building a pitching staff that's able to command the baseball with two pitches in the strike zone. And then it's followed up with, you know, eight guys behind them 
playing solid, steady defense and communicating and then having a bunch of hitters that are willing to grind out of bats and, and really get the at-bat to the next guy. And, you know, when, when maybe you don't have elite team speed or elite team power, you can find ways to score runs by being efficient and having quality at-bats up and down the lineup. So, you know, that's our formula for now. And we've, we've started to instill some of those qualities right now and, and who, we, who we're going to be and how we're going to do it. And, you know, we'll see where the chips fall at the end of the year. But, you know, player development – from Baylor terms, in, in my opinion, is the athletic department has done such a such an unbelievable job um, unifying this place and unifying the entire program and the entire department. Um, and, and they've kind of inherited or Mac Rhodes has brought with them the slogan, preparing champions for life. Um, and that's a four pronged thing. You know, that's academic achievement, athletic success, spiritual growth and character formation. And they're not just words, there's actually action going on behind that to build the entire person. And smart people make good players. You know, people that make good decisions make good players. Um, and so we feel like the better the person, the better the player is gonna end up and the better our culture is gonna be. And at the end of the day, you know, strong culture with, with talented kids and intelligent kids is gonna lead us to where we wanna be. Yeah, well, you know, listening to you describe what that culture looks like, it sounds like, you know, you guys are getting back to the roots of what puts y'all as one of the top programs in college. on the road you know you mentioned talking about kids that make good decisions um you know what are what are some of the non-negotiables and things that the Baylor staff is looking for out on the road right now well I think coach Thompson describes it best I mean we're, we're really looking for we're, for three things we're looking for a baseball playing fool somebody that loves a game somebody that loves to work at it somebody that wants to play in the big leagues okay that's first and foremost obviously the, the talent side is non-negotiable, but somebody that loves to do it. Because at the end of the day, we all know if you don't love what you're doing in this deal, you know, it's going to be short-lived, okay? And then the second thing we're looking for is is we're looking for people that are good people and good students, okay? So somebody that's going to thrive in the classroom, um, somebody that we're not going to have to worry about taking care of their business, you know, on the school side of things or on the academic side. And the third thing is we're looking for good people. You know, this is a it's a special place and it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, appeal to bad kids. So that part sorts itself out pretty, pretty quick, you know? So, you know, kind of that three pronged simple approach of, Hey man, good player that loves baseball, loves, loves school, loves to get after it in the classroom and is a good person, you know, has a good heart, has a servant heart. Um, really, you know, in our, in our process, that's what we're looking for. And I think we're selecting people. You know, I think a lot of people are casting a big net and figuring it out later, and they're probably looking for similar qualities, but they're just doing it a different way. I think, you know, we're approaching it as like if, if we're recruiting you, you know, we're expecting you to be with us um, for the long haul. So, you know, I think I think that's that's our plan and that's our approach, and we'll see where that leads to. Zach, I gotta imagine. Um hitting instruction at Baylor might be pretty easy. Do you just put on your highlight reel and walk out of the room and say, Hey, swing it like this guy did in, in these, in these colors here in this Baylor uniform. But um, in all seriousness, how much is, has hitting instruction changed um, over the last few years or even since you played, I, I feel like 
there are so many different ways to do it now with tech and everything else. Um, but also on, on the other hand, um, it, it still kind of gets down to the same things that made a guy like you successful in the college. So what's it been like um, kind of, you know, from that end, integrating those things and, and working on um, what the Baylor hitters are going to look like under you? Well, first and, for, first and foremost, you know, it's not just me. We're, we're so fortunate to have Jim Blair with us. And Jim's, Jim's no stranger to the state of Texas, being a recruiting coordinator at DBU, Sam, and UTSA for almost 18 years combined. And he's been a hitting coach and a pitching coach at the Division I level. So I'd be remiss if I didn't bring Jim up into the conversation because we're, we're fortunate to have, like, myself and, and Jim and, and Coach Thompson all, you know, surrounding the hitters and, and the good news is we're all kind of out of the same system in the same book. So, you know, we all have a little special touch. Um, you know, my deal for hitters, I, I kind of came about it organically, you know, and, and once I learned how to coach myself through feel and through approach and plan, you know, that's when I really took off as a hitter. So I typically come at it from that angle. There are some non-negotiables in a swing or a setup that we're trying to get to. We're trying to create rhythm, but ultimately, you know, how do you build your offense is through your personnel. You know, you can't turn a 160-pound guy that's a singles guy into a home run guy, you know, so we're going to have to teach a singles guy how to be really efficient and grind out ABs and probably probably work the bunt game a little bit and be able to play that way. Um, so there's a there's an individualized approach, too, to who a guy can be and, and what we see him as and how he can grow and develop his skill set while he's here, um, which ultimately will make us better one through nine. But, um you know, the simple stuff that the tech to me is a bolt on of, of everything we already, knew. you know, I think it's a, a tangible piece that validates to today's kid, like what we're saying, mm -hmm. you know, and what we're trying to get to. And, and that part's valuable. Um, you know, I, I know having some experience with S2 cognition, I think that's a, that's the lane we're going to, we're going to venture down and, and try to attack the cognitive piece a little bit and see if we can get guys to, to learn a little bit better or grow a little bit better in some areas they may be deficient on um, by, by instituting some drill work that matches up with some of their, their weaknesses. So, you know, there's, there's different things we can do in that lane that, that might help us grow and develop our guys. But, you know, I think everybody, everybody in this deal is working so hard at it. Like nothing's a yeah. secret. You know, every, everybody's trying to get an edge in, in some way, shape or form. What it really boils down to, to me is who can like, build that relationship and that rapport to get the most out of them where they trust you, where they believe in you and it's sincere and genuine. And, you know, hopefully we got enough guys in this office to get that out of our guys and get the most out of them. Yeah. You know, the, the recruiting process is something that, you know, most families, if they're lucky enough, only go through once, um, sometimes maybe twice and occasionally even three times, but there's, there's just a lot of, you know, we come across people that ha get a lot of bad information um, and you kind of have to coach, you know, as much as you can that out of people and just kind of make them understand just the, how a scholarship works. You know, there's, there's a lot of differences between public school, private school, need-based aid, you know, now you toss in another complication with NIL you know, and so I think a lot of coaches have to spend some time doing some education um, for the parents and for the families about what's real, what's not. And, you know, you go a lot, you hear of a lot of kids that go to places and they're told, hey, you know, I'm getting 100 percent 
of this, which doesn't equate to a hundred percent, you know, so you have to kind of be careful of how people package the, the messaging when it comes to the scholarship stuff. Talk a little bit about what that means for, you know, for private schools, which you are um, and, and Baylor specifically, what kind of information do you guys like to have out there um, to help people just understand the situation and, and how that works on your end of things? Well, yeah, I mean, I think, I think from us, you know, you're, you're going to hear honesty, you know, so when, when we, when we make you an offer, we're going to spell it out for you. Um, you know, and, and that varies depending on the age and with the transformation committee and stuff going on right now, we're, we're unsure about the future. So, so that changes maybe some of the terminology or how far a kid is away from us as far as, you know, um, years, you know, if you're, if you're recruiting in 2025 right now, and we have four years to go, maybe, maybe it's like, you know, a different set of language we're using with that guy. Um, but, you know, the guys that we're bringing on visit, we're making official offers to, and, and, you know, they're going to know what they're going to get in athletic aid, what they might qualify for in academic aid based on historicals. And, and obviously that, that's how we're stacking it um, right now, which I think is pretty common, you know, across the field. But, um, you know, you're going to get transparency. You're going to know what your, your out-of-pocket cost is annually, you know, before you make a decision here. Zach, uh, what's along those lines, what's one thing that you wish more players and parents understood about the recruiting process or even about amateur baseball in, in general? Um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of parents and players sometimes get trapped in this comparison of oh my gosh, this 2026 kid just committed. Why is it my, you know, like what, what's one thing maybe that you wish parents and players understood more about the recruiting process? Because we tell uh, parents and players all the time, it's not as straightforward as like football and basketball where it's like, okay, Hey, here's a full ride. We can go watch you all the time. We can see your 15 minute highlight reel. There's it's a more complex game. So what's one thing you, you wish those people kind of understood a little bit more about the process? Well, I think, you know, in my challenges in the, in the five years or five and a half years on that side of it, dealing with families was the, the tug they feel of like missing out, mm-hmm. you know, so it, maybe, well, everybody gets recruited out of this event, or maybe if I'm not on this team, I'm not being evaluated by the right people or this and that, and it's, it is a constant struggle in the circle. And what it's really become is it's such an investment on the family's part they want to see what the payoff is at the other side, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that for the moms and dads. Now, I think the social media impact it has on the kids and the attention, you know, if you're a 14 through 17 year old kid, man, it sure would be cool to, to post that I'm committed to university of wherever, you know, and I, I want to get that out there as soon as possible, you know, to get as much attention as I can. And wow, this is cool. And then you might ask them like, Hey man, like what's the pitching coach's name? <laughs> like, oh, I don't, I don't know. You know, and it's like, have you ever seen you play? And it's like, well, I, I don't think so. They saw some video, maybe. Like, and, and and you've got to, you know, you've got to try to, you know, educate through some of those things. Like, hey, what's the most important thing about this decision? Like, at the end of the day, when you're there on campus, does that social media post from four years ago really hold any weight? You know, is that really that important, or is it the people, the place? you know, what the place is going to be able to do for the rest of your life. You know, those are the things that are really the nuts and bolts of what matter. Um, 
Because what I think every kid should be looking for, if, if they're serious about baseball, they should be looking for opportunity. Okay, so I've got to go somewhere where I think I can get on the field and play. They should be looking for the people that can help them grow. And they trust and they feel are genuine and sincere people and are going to help them through the process and be able to stick with them through the adverse times. I think that's important. I think they're looking for an institution where they fit, you know, somewhere they're going to fit and be able to feel at home and, and get their degree and, and a degree that's going to take care of them for the next 40 years of their life beyond baseball. Um, you know, and, and really that, those are the things that I think are most important, but what gets lost in all of it is, well, I got to get this out to the world. So, so I get some attention for the next week or so and everybody can call me a commit, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I think, I think that would slow the if, – if we got to what's real on the other side, um, that would slow those folks down a little bit. You know, if, if we're all being honest with ourselves on, on this side, if, you know, if we had to – if we had to fully commit to those guys financially right away as mm -hmm. upon commitment, that would change some things on this side, you know. No it, it's easy right now. It's almost easier, I believe, right now to get a commitment out of an eighth and ninth grader than it is a junior. I really do. I think it's easy to, for those kids to be impressionable and, and you can, you know, you can get a pretty easy yes pretty quick uh, without a whole lot of work. I mean, the NCAA rules won't allow those kids to be on campus and talk to you outside of a camp situation. Right. Um, and here they are, here they are committing over the phone without really knowing what anything's about. You know, you yeah. might go to one camp one day and this is where I want to go. Well, okay. I mean, there's, 40 other places just like that place you know <laughs> so yeah. how, do you, how do you know that's where you want to go but you know i, I think it's a, it's really nobody's fault i mean it's it's a system that's it's the rules that have been created it's a system that's been created and everybody's competing at a really high level because people want to win you know and and there's nothing wrong with that we're big big boy division one athletics that's what we're trying to get accomplished um but on the family side of things it, it, you know it would be nice if we weren't having to, to crush kids to do it, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and, right. you know, if it, we could find a way where, you know, we're, we're able to compete at the highest level. Um, but we're honest and straightforward about, you know, what an offer is and us bringing you here and, and not necessarily recruiting over top of you, you know, would be, would be ideal for the families and the kids, but we'll, right. we'll see where all that goes. That's above yeah. my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, I, I always like to call, you know, the, the early, early, early recruiting, you know, before they can even really get on campus and meet the coaches, meet the support staff and all the people that actually are involved in the program. It's it's really I, I just call it like it's name brand selection, you know, both yeah. ways. And it's, you know, that way for the kids selecting the college and the college selecting some of the kids. I mean, you know, that you see it a lot with very little actual information on the kids i mean i you know there, there's plenty of kids that uh that commit to schools that haven't even been seen in person and right. you know and that's why that's why we're heading in the direction we are and you know i'm hoping you know if it may be a byproduct of it you know one of the good ones if there is such a thing from the portal is that it may slow some of this down a little bit some of it not yeah, all of I it think, i think we saw some of that this summer i think we saw some of that this summer especially you know I thought I thought there was some some just in my experience doing it over the last you know twelve years being around it. I think there was some really good players still available in the in the twenty twenty four class at, the, right. at that time. Right. Um, and I think when that portal's open, 
it takes the focus to the portal and next year's team, which is probably where it should be, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's where it used to be, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yes. But now, now once the portal's closed and we're kind of in camp season, you're seeing some of the 25, 26 type commits again. And it's and it kind of goes back to like, you know, I'm a recruiting coordinator, coordinator now at a Division One in the Big 12 at a place that, you know, it's pretty good. So I think you feel like if you're not recruiting, you're not doing anything. You know, right. uh, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think I think we can recruit without without making bad decisions or hasty decisions and, and putting kids in bad places and, and put, honestly putting our program in, in a bad place um, by doing it that way. So, you know, I we're going to stay true to who we are and we're going to try to treat people the right way. Um, you know, everybody else is competing at a high level and so are we. You know, I think we're going to take the route of, of doing right by people and, and developing our guys when they get here. And if that, if that works for us, great. Yeah. You mentioned earlier on, you know, just switching <laughs> shirts um, in the middle of summer and uh, you weren't lying because uh, I saw you out right away um, during the evaluation period, period with a fresh Baylor shirt on. I, I see Mitch all over the place. I see y'all staff constantly. I mean, it, it really seems like y'all, value the in-person evaluation as, as much as you can get it when you go out to watch players what are what are a few things that Baylor is looking for um it's easy it's easy to scout you know the the low 90s guy or the breaking ball or the the power but but what are some things that that when Baylor's on the road that they're kind of focusing in on that lets them know hey this guy's got a potential to fit our culture um, because as you know, the talent level, it's often pretty similar. It's finding those right fits for what you want as a program and that guys that fit uh, what you guys are about. I think what we've all always had sex with or had success with is playing with playing with guys that play the game the right way. They're going to play the game hard. Um, playing with guys that are going to be coachable. Playing with guys that are going to be great teammates. Okay, so all those things you really can't evaluate on a video. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you get a you get a you get a highlight reel, or you get a clip of a guy like hitting the double and he runs hard out of the box. But what's he do on the you know what's he do on the infield pop up? The bear may may not come down, you know. And, and what's he gonna do in between innings? Like when he's 0 for four, is he gonna is he gonna look like a dog in between innings, or is he gonna get after his reps the right way? Is he gonna run on, on and off the field? When his teammate punches out, what's he going to do in the dugout? Is he going to pick him up or is he just going to walk by him and brush him off? You know, like, who, who are we getting? You know, what are we looking for? And, and I don't believe you can really evaluate a player unless you're there to see him. <laughs> you know, you can evaluate skill. You can certainly evaluate skill, but you can't evaluate the player. So we're talking about all the kids doing this across the country and at the amateur level, at the junior college level, you know, in the transfer portal. You know, transfer portal is a little different because you have track record and, and you can call some people that are reliable and credible and, and you can believe a little bit um, sometimes. <laughs> but at the same at the same point, like you still want to have a pretty good idea about who the person is before you bring them in. You know, we get to keep 35 guys, you know, and there's a lot of players out there. So mm -hmm. why not get the best 35 you can as people um, that have ability, you know, that you can count on and that are accountable and dependable and disciplined and are going to do the right thing away from the field, you know, I'll take my chances with 35 like that, you know, rather than having to expend so much energy on, 
um, these 10 guys we brought in because they're super talented, but man, we can't get them to do anything because we can't get them to do the right thing away from them, you know? And, and then all of a sudden you've got dissension in the locker room. It's, I, I always feel like it's better to have 35 guys pulling on the same end of the rope and, and going in the same direction. And all of a sudden there's some synergy that creates something special. Um, you know, we've had championship teams here that weren't uber talented, you know, right. We've been good on the mound. We've had players that overachieved and played a long time because of who they were, not because of how talented they were. You know, and I think you can still do it that way. I think that's what I think that's what this game allows you to do. You don't have to have, necessarily have the best personnel. You know, you've got to have you've got to have good people going in the same direction. Yeah, talking about that synergy, <clears throat> you know, I, I think. You touched on it earlier, you know, what, with all the uh, recent success that Baylor's had, whether it be football winning the Big 12, whether it be basketball winning the national championship, you know, those, those two sports have shown that you can win at the highest level at Baylor. And I think being around, you know, you know other kids as a baseball player, that rubs off. You know, you're around greatness and other elite prospects and teams and kids that – do stuff the right way with an expectation to win because that's, you know, that if you see it every day, whether it's the guys in your locker room or the people that you're eating with or training or whatever it may be, you know, I, I, I think that I would imagine that that has to play a lot into the Baylor experience. And along with that, you know, just Waco itself, you know, when we used to drive through Waco, it was like, don't slow down, just get past it as far as you can. Now you drive through and you see an awesome football stadium off to your left if you're going south. You know, the, the baseball stadium has been a beautiful complex for a long time. And, you know, and there's been additions to it. But, you know, sell us on Waco. Sell us on the Baylor experience. What is that, what is that like? What can a kid that's coming to play for your team expect off the field? Yeah, no doubt. I think, I think the college experience in the last 20 years here has been upgraded tenfold. Uh, you know, you're talking about a, a thriving downtown. You're talking about a, a, a campus that is vibrant, that has new stuff, new buildings all over the place. You, you've got, you know, an 80-something million dollar business building that was put in a handful of years ago and a thriving business school. You've got a science building that is elite. You've got a campus that's gorgeous, you know, really. Uh, fountains, trees, grass, you know, and it's and it's all tucked in right within a probably an eight block radius there um, on the other side of University Parks. And then you talk about the athletic facilities going in. McLean Stadium to me right on 35 tells you a whole lot about what Baylor's about. Um, and then a brand new track and field facility right next to it on the other side of the river. And then you're talking about, you know, the new basketball, the Foster Basketball Pavilion being put on the other side of the river um, or on the other side of 35 on the other side of the river from McLean, those are, those are two, you know, pieces that you're going to drive through Waco and be like, wow, Baylor's a real place. <laughs> and that's how our kids should feel. Um, you know, those, those programs, we talk about, you know, Scott Drew's basketball program and, and Dave Randall's football program. Uh, you know, you're talking about big 12 champions, you know, back-to-back years in basketball and national championship and, and a program that's ran with, with such grace and humility right now. Um, and what an unbelievable model, you know, to take some really, really talented guys and get them all pulling on the same same end of the rope but to do something special. And, and they've done it with, you know, basically 
three teams in a row. They've been doing it for a long time, but three teams in a row at a really high level. Um, and this, this year is going to be special as well. And then you talk about the turnaround with, with Dave Aranda, you know, after, after Coach Rule um, left uh, for the NFL, you know, the cupboard wasn't necessarily bare, but it was young. And what he's been able to turn the program into in a short time is, is really special as well. So, you know, I think we've got some really good models, as you, as you talked about, um, on campus to kind of help guide us in the direction we can go or we we should go or maybe not get caught up in all the hype and all the drama and all the stuff that's easy to get caught up in chasing right. here and just stay stay true to our mission and stay true to our players and our program and <clears throat> and go out and compete this spring and see where it goes but um you know i think the college experience here is is elevated to unique levels as well with with the thriving athletic programs um you know, enrollments up. I think we have 16,000 undergrad and 20,000 total students. So um, big enough, big enough to where you, you know you feel like you're at a big time place, and, and small enough where you can get to know a lot of people and, and, and know who you are. And your class sizes are are relatively small. You know, I think the average class size is 26 alone. So um, you know, and it's a first class education. I think we were. CBS listed us among the top 10 most trusted institutions in the country. Um, we took a parent poll, and we were kind of next to Duke, Stanford, Notre Dame, MIT, Princeton, Yale, Harvard, and pretty elite company from an academic yeah. standpoint. So, you know, those things, I, I think it's an incredibly marketable place. I think it's a place that is special. I think it's unique in ways. Uh, I think the Christian aspect, along with big-time athletics, along with a great education and, and you know, in a place where, you know, quite honestly, it's a it's a growing, thriving community. So, you know, I think it's a unique place that that's only getting better every day. You know, it seems like you're, you you talked about how difficult the decision was to leave 12, and obviously all the work you did there and turning that that program into you know one of the truly elite ones in the country. But I, I get the sense from talking to you each time I speak with you that you're having a lot of fun right now. And obviously the games haven't started, you know, we know how those can weigh on coaches and things like that, but, but how much fun are you having being back at Baylor and how much has it helped you guys as a baseball staff that you, 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 you mentioned this word earlier, have that synergy because oftentimes in college baseball, you see kind of a hodgepodge of really good coaches, but that don't have previous relationships and they're all trying to kind of, get to know each other and get on the same page and things like that. But, but y'all at Baylor, I mean, it seems like you're just able to hit the ground running because you have not only the relationships with the coaching staff, but also the relationship with the university as well. Yeah. The familiarity factor really helped us hit the ground running, and, you know, not only with each other, but with, with the place, you know, I didn't need to come here and see what it was, mm-hmm. you know, so I went on the road for two months. Like I, I can figure out where to live. I've got plenty of friends. We'll, we'll figure that out as we go. <laughs> you know, that was that was here for six years. Mitch has been here for 27, 28, maybe. Um, you know, Jim Blair was in Mitch's first recruiting class here in 1995. He came here and was able to settle in and start running camp and, and doing what we needed to do on campus along with Darren Thomas, who's been close friends with Mitch for over 20 years. Um, and then and then my my close friend Brian Furlong, who was a pitching coach at Xavier and has been a pitching coach at Creighton and the head coach at Heartland, um, felt strong enough about our staff in this place that, that he left Xavier and wanted to come join us. So, 
uh, in the player development role. So we're talking about a group of guys that, that knows each other well. Um, we respect each other. We obviously we obviously have a pretty good plan and, and synergy within the office, which I think is going to, you know, uh, trickle down into our players. And, you know, it, it really did help us in the transition because it was it, it wasn't like we needed a whole lot of guidance um, and to figure things out. It was like, OK, I'm going to go do this. You go do that. We need to get this done. And, and it's just been really been really that part of it has been easy and usually it's not you're exactly mm-hmm, right right, uh, right. But we were able to worry about the things that mattered the most which is building our roster building our team and, and kind of pr- starting to plan and make preparations for how we were going to go about the fall and and you know really down the road so without having to worry about a whole lot of getting to know each other and okay what do you like this is what i like and, you know we all know who who each other is and, and you know that part's been a seamless transition yeah, you know, speaking about the familiarity with the town, the school, Waco in general, um, you know, we didn't get the have the luxury of having NIL deals when you were playing and when I was playing. You know, if, if Zach Dillon, the player, had NL, NIL, what kind of deal, you know, for Dustin and I, it's always food related, but what yeah. kind of NIL deal would Zach Dillon be looking for in Waco back in the day if this existed? Oh man, I don't know if I should share that on the air. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that's part drum- of the experience. <laughs> I'm sure I could have drummed something up. Maybe Sammy Citrano at Georgia's would have helped me out or, or something. But no, we would have we would have figured some things out. I think you know um, it's all hard to even think about. You know, going back that far, it was just such a different time period and and really a different place. There's so much there's so much more opportunity through local businesses here now than there was then. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I think our, our administration and, and the people in our NIL department are on top of those things and, and hopefully going to be able to serve our student athletes in a, in a positive way where, you know, they are able to go out and, and take advantage of their opportunities. Um, and I think, I think we're going about it probably the, the right way. I don't know if there's a right or wrong way, um, right. but I feel like the right way. Maybe that's a yeah. personal thing. Um, and, you know, we are going to have those opportunities for our student athletes. Sure. All right, Zach, before we let you go, do you have a good Mitch Thompson story you can share with us? Obviously, you guys go way, way back. Uh, Mitch is a friend of the podcast. We had him on last year. I got to say, the people that came on the Five Tool podcast last year – some guys got head coaching opportunities moving up. You know, I, I'm, I'm expecting some good things in your future, having joined us on the podcast. But before we get out of here, do you, do you have a good Mitch story that you can share? Um, I mean, he's just such a, a fun baseball guy through and through. And uh, uh, I, I got to imagine, you know, there, there's got to be one in your head that kind of sticks out a little bit. Yeah. You know, we, we like to give Mitch a hard time and that's kind of the beauty of Mitch. You know, everybody knows he's a boss. And, and he is, and he's an unbelievable leader. But, but he can take he can take the rising from the guys and, and handle it, and be able to handle it. Um, oh, let me see here. Put me on the spot. Um, I got. Go. Hey, while, while you're thinking, while you're thinking, I can tell you James Leverton's pregame meal for pretty much every high school game he ever played while I was in high school. We would hit. We would hit after lunch. And then we would go home and eat an entire pizza and box of macaroni and cheese. So that was that was he's cleaned up. He's cleaned up the tire since then. Yeah, he's cleaned yeah. up a little. 
Yeah, he's got the so, baby on the way, so he's got to he's got to keep himself right. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, that so that was that was James's uh, pregame meal for just about every game he played. So um, you know things, yeah, things have changed, and we we had not have ex- we did not have exposure to nutritionists like they do now. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were giving we were giving Mitch a hard time the other day, and, and um, we're in the cafeteria, and we you know we're worried about our hours for the week or coming up with our hours for the week, you know, staying within the eight hour window we're in. And, and, and he looks at us kind of frustrated. And, and if you know, Mitch, this would make you laugh even more, but he, he looks up and he goes, you know what? The eight hour rule is un-American. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, Those that want to work hard should be able to work hard. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I agree I, with him. I yeah. Agree he's not him. wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> So that that kind of struck us all funny, and but that's who he is, and, and you know what? He, he's always, always, always. He's a man of great character, and and he's going to do things the right way, and he's going to do them within the rules. So you know, that's just his frustration of, of being like, man, I really want to, I, I need to have this, you know, thirty minute meeting with our guys, but I can't do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so you know, it just that's him as a person a little bit, you know. And, and uh, man, I'm so so fortunate to get to work for him again, and we're excited about our opportunity here. And you know, we're just off and running, trying to trying to do the best we can every day to make it go. Yeah. Well, Zach, we really appreciate you taking the time. I, I know you're busy. Um, it's it's been great to to listen to you share. You know what the, that passion for Baylor and what you guys are doing there, and uh, we're really excited to see the future there. Um, you know, knowing some of you guys as well as we do and in, in just the baseball backgrounds that y'all have, but the people you are as well. It's uh, really exciting times in Waco for sure. Looking forward to following that program. Thanks, Dustin. Appreciate you, Drew. Yeah, no problem, man. We'll, we'll see you on the road here pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, like two days. Three days. <laughs> <laughs> going. Thanks again to Zach Dillon of Baylor for joining us on today's episode of the Five Tool Podcast. A lot of great stuff from Zach, as expected, and uh, uh, you could you could hear the the energy and, and the connection um, and the passion in his voice for Baylor, and that's something that he mentioned. Leaving twelve baseball was was not as easy as he thought it was was going to be, but if there was one place that was going to be able to do it. Uh, it was going to be Baylor where he played, where he's coached. And, and obviously Mitch Thompson, those guys have such, such a long relationship um, that, it, that it just seemed like a, a fantastic fit. But, uh, you know, Drew, what are some things that Zach mentioned today that, that kind of stuck out with you um, after our conversation? Well, we heard him use the term synergy a lot. Um, and whether that was within the baseball staff or within the Baylor athletic department as a whole, I thought that really stood out to me. Um, you know, they, they have a, a group of coaches and people on staff that understand Baylor, understand what it takes to win at Baylor because they've done it before um, with Zach as a player, um, being on staff as a coach. And then, you know, Mitch was the architect of a lot of really good Baylor teams that were, you know, one of the top teams in the country mm-hmm. year in, year out in the early 2000s. Um, I know we played them all the time when I was in Texas and that they were as talented as anybody. They were as tough as anybody. And, you know, I think Mitch is responsible for a lot of that. Um, So it's exciting to see that for those guys. You know, I have a personal relationship like we've talked about with James Leverton. Um, I know what kind of person he is. I know what kind of coach he, 
can be is his understanding and knowledge of the game um, is very strong. He's got a great work ethic. Um, and it, it's a staff too, that you can count on being honest to recruits. Um, yeah, we don't see that from everybody. Um, and you know, it's, it's refreshing when you come across a, a, a staff that operates that way. Um, so I'm excited to see how they do. They've obviously gotten off to a hot, a hot start already in a very short time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's going to be fun to watch them over the next several years because there's an obvious, you know, and for a good reason, bit of excitement around the program, you know, and like we talked about a lot of that, you know, can piggyback off of the success of the, uh, football and basketball teams. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited, you know, Zach reinforced a lot of the stuff that that we thought about what they're trying to do and, you know, what he's about. But it, it's always fun to hear those guys and hear their point of view on just the recruiting process, what they're looking for um, and 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 more stuff about the program. Yeah. And you can tell, you know, how much they really you know the recruiting stuff is fun to talk about. And it's obviously, you know, a big, big piece of what Zach does. But they they want to be a player development program and right. you know it, it it starts with finding the right guys and the right fits and um i loved hearing the part about you know hey you can watch video but we figure out who these guys are when we see them in person and it, it's tough yeah. because you can only see you know you can only be in one place at one time and see so much when the first of summer and if you get out in the fall or you have your camps or whatever but um, they really evaluate. They really value the in-person evaluation because they're trying to find the right fits. You know, not just the right talent and the right skill, but but they're trying to find the uh, the right fits as well. And I thought he made a really great point about you know the whole. I guess it's not a phenomenon anymore. It just is college baseball with the, the really really early commitments and making sure you know what you're committing to. You know, right. it, it's it's fun to call yourself a 2025 commitment, a 2026 commitment, and things like that, but. Um, do you know the coaching staff? Um, have you ever stepped foot on that campus or in that city? Like what's the extent of your communication with the, your future coaches, knowing that the rules kind of prohibit you from having certain types of communication, you know, like, uh, it was refreshing to hear that, like, you know, a lot of these programs, they end up taking these commitments and things like that. And, and you can't fault them because these players are just so really, really good. And if you don't take them, somebody else is going to, but like understanding like what you're committing to. And, you know, it just, you hear Zach speak about Waco and Baylor and the coaching staff and, and, you know, the pride they take in, you know, the synergy that they have. Um, you can tell that's a big part of their process is, um, you know, we want to re- recruit guys and, and show them what Baylor is about and, and be honest with them and know what they're committing to um, and things like that. So that was that was certainly really, really refreshing to hear. But uh, really exciting times in Baylor. Uh, great stuff from Zach. Uh, such a unique baseball background. Um, you know, those Baylor players better realize he was quite the player back in the day. He could hit. He could definitely hit. It was a really tough out. And he if he saw it. If he saw it, which he was really good at, he wasn't going to miss it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Well, I, I thought talking about that a little bit, I thought it was interesting how he said that, you know, their offensive philosophy is that number one, they're going to build through personnel. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think there's some programs out there that are guilty of, you know, kind of attacking with a cookie cutter approach. Yeah. And I don't see that being what, what Mitch and his staff is going to be doing. Um, you know, it's, it, 
and, and it's going to be interesting because they're, they're recruiting some athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it will be interesting to see how much they use the, the short game, um, you know, guys that can really run, put the ball in the gap. And, you know, they've got some guys that have some power with a guy like Braden Buchanan. So, um, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting, but I did think that that, that kind of stuck out to me is like, you know, you hear it a lot, but you can tell that he believes in it. And um, it's, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, from the player development side, I love hearing you know him use the word individualized. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the way you got to go about it now. Is you know certain things like guys learn in certain ways. They have certain skill sets. They have certain you know you got to maximize who they are. You know, he mentioned like, hey, if if we recruit a guy and he's primarily single sitter and can run, well, let's individualize his development around that. Let's not try to force him to become something that he's not as opposed, you know, maybe we get the big power guy. Okay. How do we get him to his power more? And uh, I mentioned S2 cognition, which, you know, 12 baseball has, has some background with, and and that's part of the individualized process and things like that and understanding how guys are wired and how they learn and what works for them and and what doesn't work for them and things like that. So uh, really great stuff from Zach. And we're really looking forward to, to following this Baylor program, but um, you mentioned a guy, you know, something we wanted to start, um, especially now that it's football season, we always talk about the multi-sport guys when we're discussing the baseball players. And we wanted to highlight uh, a football player of the week that's also a, a, a baseball player as well, uh, just because it's fun to watch those guys go out and compete on the gridiron. And um, you can cut, you can learn about a baseball player from from what they do in football or or whether it's, you know, maybe some of them play basketball or or track or weightlifting or whatever it is, but us being football junkies, it's fun to to follow those guys that we know are seeing out baseball players when they go out and put the helmet and shoulder pads on um, during the Friday night lights. And uh, you mentioned my guy, Brayden Buchanan, who is a, a Baylor commitment, uh, a, a really, really, really good catcher from Vandegrift is also a fantastic quarterback. Uh, Vandegrift had a big win over Cedar Park, uh, surprising win, you know, 45 to nothing. Um, I, I think that that one, the score kind of surprised people that it, that it wasn't really that close. And Braden Buchanan was a big part of it. Um, at the half, he was 12 of 16 for 287 yards and four touchdowns uh, with Vandegrift, Vandegrift leading 38 nothing at the half. Um, he also added a rushing score and later go throw another touchdown um, in the second half to lead Vandegrift to victory. So um, shout out to Braden Buchanan. Uh a guy that's a a really, really big time catching prospect, but also is a very, very good quarterback as well. You watch his film. um, He could really spin it. Uh, It's not just an athlete playing the position. He's a legitimate good quarterback. And I saw that one of his touchdowns was thrown to an offensive tackle who they uh, made um, eligible. Eligible. Uh, Yeah. Clemson commit in Reed. So I thought that was fun, but always loved the big guy touchdowns. The big guy touchdowns. Uh, Yeah. Gave those guys some love. Yeah, so my, my player of the week or the last couple of weeks is uh, 2025 Brady Janusik um, from Liberty Christian. He had he was the private school statewide player of the week uh, two weeks ago on a uh, nine catch, 263 yard, two touchdown performance, and I believe he <laughs> followed it up with a couple more catches this week as well as an interception. Um, but yeah. Brady's an exciting player uh, with that 2025 sticks team. Um, just an incredible athlete and a lot out there in front of him as far as baseball and looks like football potentially too. I mean, the yeah. guy can, can really, can really run and um, physical, physical athlete. And he, 
he's got a big he's got a chance at the plate. Um, he is strong and he can run. So mm-hmm. he'll be fun to watch over the next couple of years, both on the football field and and on the diamond. Yeah. And I'll give this guy an honorable mention. I don't know his stats, but uh David Hogg the second, who's now at Mansfield. Um, you know, he and I have been joking a little bit over over DMs, like, hey man, you're going up to the 6A football level now. It's a little different. Uh yeah. starting receiver with them. He actually threw a touchdown with a trick play. Oh. Uh, for Mansfield uh, last week. So shout out to David. That, uh, that was a pretty cool highlight uh, to watch. But, yeah, it's it's fun really following these guys and seeing what they're doing on Friday nights and, uh, um, you know, these athletes out there being athletes and showing a different level of competitiveness and skill set and things like that. Um, it's certainly really, really fun to follow. But it's also commitment season. Um, yep. We've got a long list of them again. Apologies in advance if, if, if we miss any. We try to keep up with them as best we can and, and thanks to, those, thanks to those people that kind of shot me a couple via DM, um, you know, because we want to try to highlight as, as many of these guys as we can that are making these college commitments. But we got another long list of guys again this week. All right, here we go. We'll start it off with Brian Beatty, 2023 infielder and outfielder from Waller, uh, placed for five-star, committed to Weatherford. Cade Algier, uh, 2023 outfield left-handed pitcher uh, from Lone Star, uh, place for Lone Star from Round Rock, going to Blinn. Had a very, um, very productive Mattingly, both sides. Yeah, yep. Britton Urbaniak, 2024 infielder, place for Dallas Tigers, Bevan from the Trinity Valley School, uh, committed to Weatherford as well. They've been hot lately. They have been, oh, man. Yeah, Owen Lee, 2023 uh, infielder from Peabody High School in Tennessee, but played for the Doolin's Dodgers in the in the Mattingly. Okay, uh, and so he he got a trophy there. Uh, committed to Tennessee Tech with Matt Braga back in in Tennessee. Um, Matt Hudspeth, 2023 right-handed pitcher from Arlington Martin, plays for the Arlington A's. Staying home. Playing for uh gonna go pitch for Clay Van Hook and the UTA yeah. Mavericks. An- another guy that was uh was good in the five tool world series. The five tool world series was very good to UTA. They got a bunch of standouts from that event. Yeah, the Arlington A's group was good and mm-hmm. and Clay took advantage of them. That'll be interesting to watch. We've talked about it, you know, UTA putting up that fence around the DFW the pipeline. area. Yeah. So, you know, the staying close to home, going right down the street to Arlington Martin. Um, I think that'll be a That'll be, you know, with all, Logan Myers already committed from Arlington mm-hmm. Martin for them. Um, just another big 2023 get for Clay and the Mavericks. Uh, staying in that five tour world series, we had Aiden Lopez, 2023 yep. outfielder from Eagle Pass, plays for the Sliders with Matt Pierce, uh, committed to Wharton County Junior College. I liked uh, him, man. I think he can hit. I believe that I need to uh, double check. I think that he is related to Trace Barrera. Really? Okay, I think well, so. That'll that'll prop him up a little bit automatically in my book. But uh Johnny Slowinski, um Baylor guy, just got off get off got off with Zach Dillon, but a 2025 outfield left-handed pitcher from Johnson City High School. Can, yeah, plays, he, plays for the Canes. Yeah, major upside left-handed pitcher, fastball change up. I mean, just when you're taking an early lefty arm, I mean, this is the type of arm that you take because you can really project and you can actually really pitch. Yeah, I suppose, uh, you know, talking about staying home too, from our home base, Melissa, legend Fugit, 2023, placed for the Hits Lab, committed to Prairie View A&M recently. Um, one of our favorite guys uh, out of area code and then who's been in some of our events, Nathan Tobin, 2024 outfielder from Eaton, mm-hmm. placed for the Cooperstown Cobras, committed to Texas A&M. Um, good get there. I think Nathan's going to be a really good 
college player. Yep. You know, he, he can really run really good bat to ball skills and there's some sneaky pop in there. Um, I know he, he did well out in San Diego and followed it up and did really well at a camp uh, down in college station. And um, he's nagging now. So excited for him. Um, you know, piggybacking off some of the camp stuff, a lot of, uh, got a wave of commitments from the Longhorns down in Austin. Uh, David Ramirez, 2025 left-handed pitcher um, from Clear Falls High School, plays for former Longhorn, uh, coach of the Senators, Nick DeSantiago. Um, Marcus Cantu, 2026 shortstop from Lutheran South, plays for Wow Factor, committed to Texas. Miles Siptak, uh, 2024 outfielder from Bridgeland, uh, plays for Marucci Elite Dunn, committed to Texas. Um, you want to talk about him a little bit? I know you, you're a big fan. I am. Yeah. I saw Bridgeland a couple of times during the high school season. Um, and, um, he really caught my attention both times, not just the athleticism and he's a really impressive athlete and there's, there's definitely still some physical projection there, but, um, he's got some tools too. He could, he could, he really swung it when I saw him in high school, um, got down the line three, nine at one point on a bunt can really run. Um, I think there's a chance that he could play center field. Um, but if not, he's going to cover a ton of outfield ground regardless, but, um, really exciting prospect. Um, definitely a guy that, that I had underlined in the 24 classes. Hey, this is, this has got, this is a guy that we're going to have to keep close tabs on because he's got a chance to be one of the better outfielders in the state. Yeah. Um, following that up, Carson Luna, 2024 middle infielder from St. John's in Houston, a 12 guy committed to Texas. Victor Coronado, 2025 middle infielder, another guy from Lutheran South, uh, plays for Phenom, committed to Texas. Uh, Xavier Mitchell, 2025 left-handed pitcher outfielder who recently transferred to Prestonwood, plays for the North Texas Longhorns, committed to Texas. And he's he's a special one, man. He He can really, really pitch. Um, he's about the only team that I saw gave that 25 six team any trouble at all all right. summer. Um, uh, but man, he's got a big time breaking ball. Um, he, he's up in the mid upper eighties already when he really grows and fills out. I mean, that we're talking, he's a guy that has a chance to go really high in the draft. If, if the velo comes and that body continues to fill out, but he's a really exciting player. Awesome kid. Just a great kid. Got some time, uh, been able to spend some time around him a couple times, but man, just just a really good kid. Um, and excited for him to be going to Texas. Uh, Dylan Sneed, a 2023 outfielder, uh, from Wakeland, uh, middle infield and outfield actually from Wakeland, plays for the Dirtbags, recently committed to Texas AM Corpus Christi. Um, really good athlete and one of the catalysts of a Wakeland team that went far in the yeah, playoffs. He, yeah, he was a he had some huge moments for them. Um, and I think they're state semifinalists. So, uh, not just a guy with some interesting tools. He, he's he's had some production as well, both the high school season and the summer. Yeah, going back to another to the Marucci team, Kyle Chambers, 2023 outfielder from Cy Fair, uh, committed to Paris. Carson Luther, a big time exit velocity guy. This guy yeah. can really hit. Uh, 2023 corner infielder from Conroe, plays for the Scorpions, committed to Ottawa University in Kansas. Uh, Parker Ibrahimi, uh, 2023 infielder outfielder from Mansfield Legacy, plays for that stick scout team, mm-hmm. committed to Midland. And that's a big get for Midland. I'm a big fan of Parker. Yeah. Um, he plays the game right, plays hard, really fun to watch. Uh, so that was a big pickup for, for coach out there at Midland. Um, another 
big uh, SEC commit, 2025 left-handed pitcher Titan Targosh uh, from Flatonia, plays for the Banditos, committed to AM yesterday. Um, no, no surprise there due to some family history there, but uh, funny story about Flatonia. Have you ever, you know where Flatonia is? I have no idea. That's the first time I've ever heard of it. Yeah. So Flatonia is a small little, small little town, um, kind of in that triangle with close to Hallettsville. But so Andy Reese, who, you know, um, Mm -hmm. one of my teammates at Texas and one of my best friends in the world, um, we lived right next to, and then later above, uh, two, two sisters from Flatonia. I mean, there's, it's a tiny, tiny little town. But if, have you ever seen, uh, as you're driving to Houston, signs for Splash Town or Splashway? Splashway or Splash Town? And Splash Town in Houston? Yeah, uh, no, it's it's actually in that little area close to Flatonia. But the sisters' parents owned Splash Splash Town. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's that's our familiarity with uh, with Flatonia. But a small oh. little town, and Titan Targosh can really pitch. Um, and then last and not least. Josh Reed, 2023 left-handed pitcher, outfielder, corner infielder from Midland, uh, plays for the Patriots, uh, committed to Angelo State. So um, that wraps up our commitments. But, you know, I think, you know, with the recruiting season picking up and official visits starting to happen, you're going to see a lot more of it in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you are. Yeah, it's it's kind of that time of the year as coaches have gotten off the road and settled in on campus and um, can't really do much of you can't really do any evaluating and, and that sort of stuff so that's when you start to see the commitments roll in but um it's seen up we, we've been seeing it now a lot of really really good players um going going the juco route i think that's going to yeah. be something that's interesting to follow as as more and more of these guys understand the opportunity of, of that route and what it presents and things like that so um you know some of these jucos have been red hot in the recruiting chill and, and yeah um According to Mr. Barrera, Trace's dad, Aiden Lopez is Trace's first cousin. Okay. So All right. we'll put that as I already a, liked Aiden Lopez column. was betting on that bat. I'm betting on it even more after that for sure. So um yeah. It's, hey, uh, we, we know it we know if Felipe is around, the guy's gonna have some energy. Yes, right? Like yeah, isn't that the if, case? Yeah, you can't be around him if you don't have any energy. I used to always love when we would be on the road. No matter where it was, whether it was Omaha, whether it was in College Station, the pit Tress would be walking the pitcher in from warming up for the game, and you could hear his dad. No matter where he is, he's like, "Let's go three, get him right three. And <laughs> that guy, man, he is a ball of energy, and he's one of the best dudes in the game of baseball. Yeah. So yeah, we're you know he's part of that uh, Sliders organization. Yeah. Man, like if if you need some energy, go find Coach Barrera because he'll he'll give you some real quick. Um, yeah but yeah so exciting for for the Barrera and Lopez family on that one yeah so well before we wrap it up here we got to get two things we got to get your thoughts from Texas beating Louisiana Monroe and then we got to get your prediction for what's going to happen this weekend when big bad Alabama rolls into town um well uh, Are you getting your sheet out? Did you chart the plays and, and the no, drives? I'm, and... I'm getting my sheet out because what did I predict the score was going to be? You said 57-16. I said Ooh. 48. I said 48 to 10. And it Whoa, was 52 both, to 10. Yeah, we were both pretty dang close. I think I'll I think I'll take that one. I think I'll take the win on that one. Um, uh, but 
yeah, it was it was exciting um, to see some of those young guys moving around finally. Uh, obviously, Quinn Ewers is the headline headliner of the bunch, but you know, once he got through that first drive and settled in a little bit and started, you know, going through his progressions and uh, distributing the ball around. I mean, he, he made a couple of throws that you're like, okay, there it is. Um, And, you know, this is going to be an up and down year for him. Um, You know, realistically, he's a true freshman or should be age wise. Um, And, you know, obviously didn't have any experience last year. And so it's going to be, you know, you're going to, you're going to see some picks, but you're going to, you know, the, the key thing is just going to be how many more wow plays and how much protecting the ball is going to go on outside of those picks Mm -hmm. um and but uh yeah we'll we'll see we'll see what he can do this weekend um i don't think that i would be too thrilled looking up and see dallas turner and will anderson coming after me no uh with going against a freshman a heavily freshman laden line yeah um but we'll see if they can see if they can hang around um it'll be you know i think i wish they'd gotten a couple more games under their belt i think that would have given us a little bit clearer picture of what what they're going to look like yeah. ultimately. at least they got Before. one but yeah you're right yeah, yeah. um yeah because you know like we talked about everyone that everyone that i know or that we know that's been around the alabama program recently has been has pegged this year as potentially their best team ever um mm-hmm. and so you know, there's not a lot of teams that are going to be able to hang in the building with them in Georgia this year, uh, but hopefully they keep it respectable. Um, you know, I think that'll go a long ways to kind of, you know, at least making them themselves believe that they've got a chance to to compete. So, yeah, um, I think that's that's what I'm looking for, um, just to see how 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 it looks, what they look like. I mean, we know that they're not on the level of program of Alabama or Georgia right now, but um, how far off? we'll get to get a decent glimpse of this weekend. You know, it's not an, it won't be a completely accurate picture. I don't think because there's a lot of teams that um, can get blown out by Alabama and Georgia this year that are actually not that bad. Right. (laughs) So they won't be the only ones if they end up getting their doors blown off, but we'll see if they can keep it competitive. Um, See if that, you know, newly, you know, I guess not newly worked, but, um, I guess more experienced defense can uh, keep them or at least slow them down a little yeah. bit. Um, that's, that's kind of what I'm most interested to see um, in reality to see if, if, if they've got a chance to really compete on the defensive side this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's hard to tell with, you know, no offense to Louise and Monroe. I mean, they know, I mean, they're just not very good, but I was like, okay, like the defense looks really good. How much stock can you put into that? I don't know, but, um, you know, first play of the game, there's like six guys in the backfield. So I was like, okay, you know, that's a pretty good way to start the game. And, um, you know, it seemed like not not really many blown assignments. Tackling was pretty good. Prep pass rush was pretty good. Um, coverage was tight. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what that looks like against Bryce Young and those guys on Saturday. And Young offensive line held its own. Um, I'll be fascinating to watch viewers because that first drive was so bad and, you know, he, he settled in, like you said, he had a couple of wow throws, but I felt like it was like, kind of like, okay, let's put the training wheels on him the rest of the game. Um, you know, B. John Robinson was fantastic. How much running space does he have? The team on seniors was strong, looked like a five-star, but 
Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens Saturday. Do do you have a do you have a score prediction? Um, I need to I need to write this down just so because can... I've been I've been struggling with one, and really it's a matter of whether I think Texas is going to cover or not. The spread um, I'm looking at what it's listed on ESPN right now is up to twenty. Um, Alabama twenty point favorite over Texas. Uh, I was um, going to go. I was going to go with. 41 to 20, but I'm going to, I'm going to kick it down to say that Texas covers and put it at 38 to 20, 38 to 20. That's what, that's what I'm going to end on. Okay. 38 to 20. That was, that was kind of bouncing around in my head as well. Um, I think I'm going to go. Oh, tough. I think I'm going to go 41 to 23 Alabama. I think the defense will perform better than that score indicates, but I think Ewers is going to turn it over at least once and probably twice. Wow. Um, And and part of that's going to be, they're going to be chasing the game. You know, part of that's going to be the pass rush. Part of that's going to be his inexperience. And I I just think that he's going to, he's going to throw at least one pick. Um. You know, and, and Alabama's the type of team that'll that'll make you pay on that for sure. But um we'll see. We'll see. It's uh it's it's <laughs> there's so many things happening in this it's a game day game, but it's also an eleven AM game. And it's also like, the Fox noon yeah, show also. I, it's just like everybody's trying to get a piece of this pie, evidently. But um I was fortunate to to luck into a ticket, so uh, I, I will be there. Um, I, I hope, I hope that I end up wishing I had gone. Right. Yeah. That's, that's that. Yeah. That's, that's what, that's what the hope is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to kick myself for, for not being there. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see be a good test for Texas. And, uh, uh, most important thing to get out of there is get out of there healthy and, and confident and, and heading in the right direction. Uh, especially with so many key pieces being, being young on that side. But before we get out of here, I got to give a shout out. I got to give a shout out to those Knowles. Uh, going into going into the big easy and taking down Brian Kelly and LSU. Um, ball don't lie at the end there. They should have won that game going away. What was uh, Norfolk Bell doing calling the timeout? Like that that's I can't so I can't get over that one. I think there was some confusion because I think on the field they ruled the guy out of bounds. Right. So then LSU came out and lined up and they wanted to see what they lined up in, and then they called a timeout. So, but okay. I mean, Big Twelve officiating crew, you knew there was going to be some chaos um, there at the end. I was more upset with why are you why are we running a little short toss sweep there on 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 the goal line? Like, like I get it. I like not... hey, we practiced that play; it's supposed not to be dropped. But like, just sneak the ball or turn around and hand it off. Don't like the only thing that gets you beat there is a turnover or a block kick. That's it. You win the game. If you score a touchdown, you kick a field goal. There's no coming okay. back. It's just, which is, it, it's people are going to fixate on that. But I thought, I thought Florida State outplayed and outcoached him for 58 minutes. So, um, have fun with that one, LSU. Big, big fan of, big fan of Jared Verse. I wish, I was hoping we would. Oh get my him, gosh, yeah, and he got held several times that wasn't called, and it was weird coming out of camp. He was kind of listed as an OR starter. He wasn't an OR starter against LSU. Um, Not anymore. He was out, he was out there all the time and, and making big plays and stuff like that. And Jordan Travis was 
was really, really good. Um, the brother of a uh, former baseball standout, um, God, what was that guy's name? Devon Travis. I think yeah. they ended up playing for the Blue Jays. Devin Travis. Devin, Devin Travis. Travis, excuse me. Yeah, really, really good baseball player. So, all right, we've talked long enough. That's our fearless football predictions. And to wrap up a really, really good podcast episode, uh, thanks again to Zach Dillon, hitting coach and recruiting coordinator for Baylor, for joining us on episode 80 of the Five Tool Podcast. Make sure you're following us at Five Tool Pod on Twitter and on Instagram. And of course, following all the Five Tool coverage, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, TikTok. We're all over the place. Our fall events will be kicking off here uh, pretty soon as well. So uh, baseball doesn't really stop, although it kind of slows down the fall a little bit. Um, Zach will be the first of many guests we hope to have on here, especially on the recruiting side of things. Uh, to talk through a bunch of stuff and what's going on in the college baseball landscape. So uh, until we talk to y'all next time, uh, enjoy your weekend. The NFL is coming back. Hope you get those fantasy football drafts done. Uh, hope the Longhorns don't embarrass, embarrass themselves this weekend. And until we talk to y'all next time, take care.